Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by Boxing Hall of Fame announcer, the great Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? I'm doing, I'm trying to stay up with you. I got a haircut, you know, and I'm... You look great. I'm trying to stay as close to you as I can. It's it's very difficult to uh, to keep up with somebody as good as you that has his own barber. But um, I, I actually, what I should say is I'm, I appreciate you flying your guy in uh, to give me a quick uh, trim. Thank you. Well, I knew you had the uh, Video Music Awards last night for MTV, so I figured I'd get you looking sharp over in Brooklyn. Yeah, that McGregor, he, uh, he, he might be drinking a little bit too much of his proper 12. I think I mean, so. Uh, I don't know. I mean, look, I don't like to make fun of anybody and... But, you know, sometimes people put themselves in that position, whatever. But you're obviously referring to he had a problem at the awards ceremony with Machine Gun Kelly. And obviously, right away, it got out there. But um, I don't don't know. You know, you wonder if he looks for that stuff because it's... stays within that bad boy image you know in in some ways i mean you know it is that image has made a lot of money for him ken so you know his his whole promotion listen he he was a hell of a fighter uh i think maybe his best days are past him maybe i don't know but he's a hell of a fighter he was a pioneer he in some ways the way that ali was in boxing that he brought the big money uh, to the UFC, which really had not been brought there until he did, uh, and the big, 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 you know, mega events that he's brought. Uh, so he's been in a, you know, he's been an icon, I guess, already in that sport. There's no doubt about it. And then, of course, with all the other things that he's able to do with the whiskey, the proper twelve, you know, from what I heard, he's made two hundred million or somewhere in that neighborhood. It's a good neighborhood, of. Uh, Yep. Either whatever it is with that whiskey, and but he's got this image, you know. And I don't know how much of it is him being out of control or him being in control, where <laughs> where it 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 feeds, you know, it, it feeds the wolf, you know, it feeds that that double headed dragon that is part of uh, what makes so much money for him. It's part of that that bad boy image. The problem is it's like a fine line, and Mike Tyson had the same thing. For a long time, Mike Tyson was an aggressive, intimidating guy, and then he crosses that line. I'll never forget the press conference where he's screaming at the reporter, just raging out of control, and I feel like Connor is like kind of walking that tightrope now where he's still kind of, still admired for being a tough guy, but he hasn't won a fight in a while. But you can't be out on the red carpet throwing drinks at a guy in a red sequin suit and full makeup. I mean, I like Machine Gun Kelly. You and I have met him in the yeah, past. No, I but do. I mean, you you can't be getting clowned by people like, I, I don't know, just like control well, supposedly yourself, the guy or, or somebody in, in Kelly's uh, group um, denied uh, McGregor getting a picture. He had it. Uh, supposedly, I mean, yeah. we, I don't know if that's Suppo- supposedly yeah, exactly. that he had asked for a picture and he was denied by somebody, and that of course he felt, I'm sure, disrespected in that sort of way. I tell you, my man Portnoy, the Barstool Sports uh, Maven, he's he's all over this stuff. You know, he he he's yeah. he's everywhere. He's oh the my best. goodness, he's 
He's everywhere. He he should do a pizza review with Connor. That would be interesting, you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> that would get a lot of that get a hell of a lot of views. It might get some sauce all over the place too. But and, and, and cheese, mozzarella. You know, make sure it's not too yeah. hot when it comes out. But um, yeah. I, listen, there comes a time also with with that whole imagery that you know that you might get to a point that that's all that's left is the imagery. And, yeah. you know, the image of the real picture behind it is faded to the point where people sometimes, I don't know, sometimes they lose interest. So uh, you just, you just wonder, you wonder if, uh, you wonder if, if it's, as you touched on, if it's something that is, uh, see with Tyson, I think Tyson got out of control. I think there were times when he got out of control um, with his temper and with whatever was going on emotionally within him. And I think also part of it was to intimidate guys, you know, to try to get guys where that would make the fight in some ways a little easier, that if if they were intimidated by you, then half the job was done already, you know. Uh, so I, I don't know. Um, you hope that... you hope. You never hope that anybody is spiraling down that 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 hole that's a bad hole. You you just you hope yeah. that people get themselves together, and that at the end of the day they can find a good you know a good place. Yep, I agree. Let's talk about some real fights, not without controversy though. Um, Oscar Valdez Robson uh, can say so uh, this weekend. Uh, slow start for Valdez. I thought. I thought prior to the. Um, Prior to the whole drug, um, the doping, um, con basically conviction and uh, that being ignored by the uh, WBC, uh, I thought that Valdez would handle um, Kensaiso fair fairly easily. I don't know if he got distracted or if maybe I underestimated Kensaiso, but the fight, I thought that Valdez started very slow, picked it up. Uh, in the later rounds, he ended up getting the um, decision 117-110, 115-112 on the two other cards. But I think you could have made a case for even closer fight, maybe even a draw. I, I could see making an argument for Kinsesau to maybe even edge it out under the right conditions. But I think once they, once the WBC gave Valdez the free pass on the doping conviction... I figured that even if Kinsesau, you know, knocked him out, he'd be lucky to get a split decision. So um, what'd you think of the fight and what'd you think of the decision? I thought the decision was, was off. I thought that it was much closer. I thought that you could have even made an argument uh, for a draw or, or even a tiny bit towards Conseco, even though I have no problem with Valdez winning because I don't think, I think in some ways Conseco lost his right to complain by the way yeah. he fought in those middle rounds to survive more than to win that you know kind of reminded me a little bit a little bit of Oscar De La Hoya against Trinidad where De La Hoya won that fight uh and he was winning that mm -hmm. fight and then the last three rounds what does he do he decides to get on a horse you know on his bicycle and and just move and just go you know, into into that uh, prevent defense of surviving for three rounds. And he blows the fight. And, you know, people said, well, he should have won. And he went on his bicycle because he wanted to be safe. And he, you know, well, he should have kept doing what he was doing. 
You know, the only thing prevent defense does is prevent you from winning sometimes. You know, you, you see That's teams right. go right down the field when they go into that prevent. They keep doing what you're doing. You know, I understand about eating up the clock and all that stuff, but, you know, keep doing what you're freaking doing. And anyway, he, De La Hoya, there was a twisted wire with De La Hoya. I always felt that, uh, where the green and the blue got a little mixed together sometimes and something short-circuited up there where his biggest fights, he'd find a way to blow it. And if you look at that, the history of that, my statement is a fair statement. Um, and I can back it up with, obviously with what's in the books, you know, with documented uh, fights um, where he just find a way to do something wrong, whether it was with Mosley, whether it was whatever the big, whether it was with Mayweather, whatever. He'd find a way to basically sabotage himself and uh, in the real big fights. And I, I just, like I said, I, I felt in that fight with Trinidad and De La Hoya, De La Hoya, technically probably won. He lost the right to complain about losing. Uh, and I thought the same thing was Conseco, that it was really close. Um, and he could have won the fight. And But he, uh, again, when when it came time to behave like a guy who wanted to be a champion, he didn't do that. He came on in the last two rounds uh, a little bit. He did, um, which I, I saw that. But... I also felt this thing that you touched on, Ken, very, um, very, just very correctly, um, that obviously your, your eyes are right, that the whole night felt like it was all just set up for Valdez. It just felt from the broadcast to the, to the crowd um, to, you know, of course, the decision that WBC made to let him fight even though he shouldn't have been allowed to fight after testing positive for a banned substance. Just the whole the whole feeling was like Conseco can't win. Like like it's it's already done. Like scorecards are made already. It just felt that yep. way. It felt that way all night with like I said, with the broadcast, with everything. And um I believe it was that way. Uh, I'm, I'm not afraid to say, you know, I, I don't play on the middle of the fence too often. I don't, you know, it, it hurts. It, it hurts your backside when you sit in the middle of the fence. It hurts. Those things are spiky. And you, you got to be in one place <laughs> or the other. So I try to be in one place or the other. And I, I thought that Conseco had the length, the jab, the talent to win this fight and to win the title. Um he and he may have had the perfect opportunity in the way that Valdez looked and performed, but what he didn't have was the offensive consistency, or perhaps better said, the will and desire, or perhaps even more fairly said, the confidence and belief that he could handle when the questions came. See, that's the problem when you got a guy, he was a very good amateur. Uh, Conseco. So it's no surprise that he knows how to fight uh, and he's got talent. I think he was a gold medalist actually, but in the Olympics. But he. Gold medalist, undefeated, yeah. but also Valdez, two time. Yeah, of course. Olympic, Olympic but but the problem Olympic with Conseco, well. he hasn't fought anyone. And he's never had to take a deep breath in a, in a, whether it's in a mental way, emotional way, a physical way in a fight, really, really to know that he could answer those questions that we all have, that you have when you go into a meeting the first time, when, when you're doing your financial stuff and when you're helping people to, to uh, 
to raise money for for different means and for different companies and stuff. Uh, you have to have that confidence. You have to have that belief. You have to have some answers that that have come back to you already in a positive way. The the questions that that have been answered in a way that you know that you can you can handle yourself. That that you can be comfortable in this place. That you belong. Uh, talking to these people. It's the same thing in a ring. No, same thing in life. No different. You, you have to have that experience to know that you can depend on yourself in whatever it is you're doing at this new level. And I don't think Conseco ever, he didn't have that. He was gaining it and trying to gain it as the fight went on and might have gained it a, a tiny bit at the end. But he... He never had the fights to give him that, to let him know, to let him know that he belonged, that he could trust himself. See, this that's the trick. That, that's the key, to know you could trust yourself, that, that you belong. And otherwise, you fight hesitantly. You fight sporadically. You fight without that fire, without that confidence that looks like you're surviving at a certain point. And because he wasn't sure what was coming around the bend. He wasn't sure if he could handle it. And that's the problem when you make these guys 16-0, 17-0, 18-0, whatever the hell it is, and you just concentrate on getting them to that big fight by dressing up their record and not giving them that fight that they need to know that they belong. It, it's so important. And and you see it all the time. And I think that's what we saw. You know, you saw it with Jerry Cooney years ago when he got $10 million. I mean, wow, back in those days uh, to fight Larry Holmes. And <laughs> now listen, <coughs> granted, he was fighting a legendary fighter, a great, great heavyweight, uh, Larry Holmes, not just a run-of-the-mill guy that could have been in there. This was this was one of the greatest, one of the best. Um I have him in my top 10 list. I think I got him number 10 right behind Sonny Liston. But still, you could see it that if Cooney, when they were developing him, his managers, if they had given him a fight that he had to, again, I use the terminology, take a deep breath, find out about himself, get some questions answered, he would have had a better shot in that fight. He, he would have because he was doing pretty damn well up to around 11 rounds, 10, 11 rounds. He had a good left hand, a good jab, long, strong, good left hook to the body. You know, he was, he was the, but then when he got into those deeper waters, he just didn't know. He, he didn't know if, you know, if he belonged in those waters. He didn't know if he could, if he could stay afloat. He didn't know if he could swim. He didn't know if a shark was going to get him. He didn't know what was there. And you need to know what's there. And when I say there, I don't even mean there as far as across the ring from you. I mean there as far as you. As far as you. So to me, again, that was a lesson towards that. Uh, I think that I think that um, at the end of the day, you know, you kind of saw proof, kind of like Exhibit A in a courtroom, Ken, where at the very end of what I'm talking about a little bit, where you saw the way Conseco, I sent the tweet out, my man Rob put it out there, where I wish that Conseco showed the same fire during the fight as he showed after the fight, 
when he started acting like he wanted to go after Valdez and calling him names and yelling and, you know, whatever, and, and all that stuff. But uh, some people just say, all right, it's bravado. No, it's not. For me, it's a polygraph test in my sport. It, it, it's a, yeah, it, it's a polygraph test that tells you really the truth versus what a person is trying to tell you, which is not the truth. Um, that it's no different than when you were in school and that bully got stood up to in the schoolyard and he didn't, he wasn't so sure that he wanted to fight. And all of a sudden he's not being aggressive and he's not doing anything. And then all of a sudden his friends and or the principal comes along to break it up and now he's looking to tear at the guy. I, let me at him. Let me at him. He, like, like he, he's like, you know, he's like an animal. He's trying to get at him. Well, they're holding him back. But he wasn't trying to do that when there was nobody <laughs> holding him back. So it, it's the same thing. There was nobody, you know, when, when it was the time to be that animated, when it was the time to be that fiery, uh, that willing, uh, you didn't do it. You didn't do it. You came on a little bit at the end. You built a lead at the beginning. There's no doubt. He won the first five rounds or so, whatever. I don't have my score. I didn't do a scorecard, so I, I wouldn't have it in front of me anyway. But um, he got a lead. But then again, you know, when when the questions come, and they always come later. They don't come at the beginning. When When they come, the beginning, if you're good enough, athletically talented enough, like he is, you can get a lead. The trick is keeping the lead, building on the lead. And that's where you need what I'm talking about. That's where you need the confidence. That's where you need the mental toughness. That's where you need the belief. That's where you need the questions have been answered. That I can handle this. That I can. Because otherwise the ninjas come over the wall. They come right over the wall. And they freaking, and, and they get you. So I, at the end there when he started doing all that stuff, that that for me that was that was the answer. Like, yeah. See, he was intimidated during the fight in, in the ways that I just talked about, where it held him back. But once it was over with, then he realized, hey, I I could have won this fight. You know, really he, yep. in his mind he might have thought he won anyway. I, I get that. I yeah. but at the end it was like he 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 thinks he won the fight, and um, and and he's feeling all that, you know. He's being very brave now, um, because obviously the bell, the last bell is rung. I tell you this, Ken, I I guarantee you, I put my reputation behind it. If they could have fought ten minutes later, of course, they couldn't because it's not allowed, obviously, and. Also, Valdez's face was banged up. But if Valdez was allowed to drink some kind of special Alexa, which I'm sure the WBC would have had no problem having him drink it. They, they, <laughs> they, probably, they probably would have. I'm surprised they didn't no, let him put a horseshoe. in I'm just gloves. saying, they probably would have poured it into his <laughs> cup, you know, like a happy cup. And, and you know, yeah. do you want a straw? Would you like a straw? Your lips are a little swollen. You want a straw? So, and But if he was allowed to do that, and then fight 10 minutes later. I am telling you, I have no doubt that Conseco wins. He, he might win going away because now he had the answers, he had the questions answered. He had the questions answered that yeah. held him back. He, he, that, that made him not sure whether or not he belonged. Now he knows. So he'll be better for it. 
um, in, in, in that sort of way. Uh, and it was, the you know, that old saying, the, the, it was right for the picking, right, Ken? The, it was right for the yep. picking. It was right for the picking. Valdez wasn't right. Valdez was not good. I was, he did not look, as good as he looked in his fight before that with Birchfeld, um, which was tremendous. Yep. Tre and he was a big, he was an underdog in that fight. As good as he oh, was, yeah. Ken, in that fight, his stock dropped. His stock dropped tremendously in this fight. I mean, you will oh, yeah. see what happens going forward. But he... he Burchelt was like the boogeyman going into that fight. People had him picked as like, you know, beating everyone, dominating, moving up, unifying. And, and Valdez beat the crap out he of him. He did not look good. Uh, he, you know, listen, he, he put the pressure on that he had to to get back the lead after losing the lead. Uh, but he was allowed to. He was allowed to a little bit uh, by what I talked about, by Conseco, you know, shifting gears into survival gear. Um, and listen, you could say Valdez made him shift gears into survival gear by putting the pressure on. Fair enough. Fair enough. But um, he, he, got a, he got a little bit of a break uh, that night because if he had been in there with a guy with the same skill level of Conseco didn't have to be any higher it was high enough the skill level but with a better mentality a tougher mentality more confidence in areas that I just described he would have had problems he would have had problems and he he looked like he was running out of gas down the road um a little bit you know he, he came on to grab those middle rounds I get it but then he gave away the last couple rounds um it, it looked like he didn't look great not just, he didn't look great physically, but he didn't look right mentally. You know, even with him, as much as we're going to point a finger, rightfully so, at Conseco for not moving his hands more, for not doing more when he could have, um, and fighting to survive in those spots, um, instead of fighting to, to win more, you know, as much as we could say that, you could say the same thing about Valdez when he got inside. He, he didn't look to work. He allowed himself to get tied up. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of times. And, and he figured he was smart. He knew he probably already had the benefit of the rounds just by pushing it, just by pressing it, uh, you know. and But then he didn't, he didn't go the other, you know, he didn't go the rest of the way where he looked to do more damage when he got in there, you know, the way that you would expect him to. And as far as Conseco, I'll put a bow on this part of it. As I said, uh, early on, Good jab, hell of a jab, good body work. You know, I know Valdez did some nice body work down the stretch, but good body work early, uh, uh, really a good jab. You know, I always say, Ken, you set the table with the jab, then you go eat. That, that was the problem. He was setting the table with the jab, but not going to eat. He was walking away from the damn table, you know, uh, too often, you know, and uh, leaving, leaving too much on the plate. So that's what I saw. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, the future of Valdez. You know, who's, what was it because of what he was going through? All brought on by himself. Don't get me wrong. You know, with, with all this controversy, was it, was it brought on by that? Mentally not being right? Was it, does he have trouble making a weight? Hey, come on. He was taking a substance that, that you're not supposed to take, right? That's banned, that helps you make weight. Right, so does does he have trouble making a weight? 
Did that did that weaken him? You know, I'm not making excuses for him. I'm just I'm just putting stuff out there that I'm supposed to put out there for for you to try to have something to think about. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, like I said, he looked like uh, the gas tank started going a little the other way to, uh, at the very end. So I don't know. I just know you know at the end of the day he didn't look good, and uh, he was fortunate. He was really fortunate that that. Uh, he had a guy in there that wasn't really ready mentally to be champion of the world. Yeah. No, you're right. And, but like I said, even if Kinsesa had done everything right, the one guy had it 17 to 10. No, no. I mean, like I said, the whole night, you could just feel that they weren't going to let that kid win. Not a chance. There is, I, I don't think that we can even emphasize that enough. After seeing with the WBC allowing the fight to continue – Everyone, like anyone who bet this kid to win a decision might as well just take their money, light it on fire. It was never going to happen. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And, anyway. And, uh, yeah, I mean, my bookie is a place to go, but I wouldn't suggest going to my bookie with uh, with that proposition. Not, not, when you, well, <laughs> not when you know that you're betting against the WBC's guy. You know what I mean? Let's be honest, no. right? That's, yeah. I mean, we couldn't put it more yeah. candidly, could we? I mean... Really, yeah. uh, you, no, you're, you're, right. you're betting against the WBC's guy, you know, the the weepy collecting's guy. Uh, I mean, how much more evidence do you need to, to 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 prove that point than to say like, hey, this guy got caught doping the week before the fight? Ah, no big deal. We're gonna waive that. That that substance isn't a big deal. Can the other guy use it? Nah, nah, nah. He can't use it. <laughs> We're just gonna like waive this special exception. Yeah. He's only in boxing. Only in boxing. It's, insan- it's insanity. Yeah, if you describe terrible. this to someone before it actually happened, people would say there's no way that they're going to let that happen. But they did. Yeah. And, um, and listen, I'll finish. I'll put bookie. a bow on it by saying this. Go ahead. Um, second bow. Um, by saying, you know, as much as these things are controlled by, you know, the the organizations are getting sanctioned fees. They, that's Canelo's group. They, they, they want to make the money with those guys. They want to keep them happy. But it's also the promoters. Who has the promoter? Because these com- promoters uh, give their marching orders to these organizations. If you don't think so, you're wrong. Of you're wrong. They, <laughs> you're so wrong. You're naive. You're naive. You know what I mean? I, I don't want to blow it for you. Santa Claus is still around. Yeah, he is. And he is. He, he's still around. <laughs> And, uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, these promoters, the ones that have the power, uh, they, they tell the organizations uh, what they need to tell them. And the organizations listen. Yeah. Uh, they, they hold sway with them. Some of them hold sway with certain organizations more than others. You know, that's, you know they're with different families. Put it that way. Dif- dif- yeah. It depends what family you're with. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> well, speaking of my bookie, Patriots off to a slow start, unfortunately. Hey, hey, baby, baby. It. First of all, they here, what do you it. see here? Silver and black, baby. Silver and black. <laughs> Raiders tonight. tonight. Ra- Monday night. Should we take the Raiders tonight? Listen, my son, of course, everyone, most people know by now that he's the assistant director of scouting for the Raiders. And uh, they Mayock and Gruden, all of them, that they do a great job. Uh he he definitely feels they're better this year, but there's like everybody, you know, we don't make excuses. There's injuries, uh, guys that are out. I mean, it, uh, that's one in the NFL that that is the one thing that 
everybody is vulnerable to. And the Raiders are missing some guys that obviously there could be some problems because of that in, in certain spots, in certain areas. But um, they're, they're ready to do what they're supposed to do. You know, they're, they're geared up. And uh, we're hoping that they can get off the season. It's not an easy task. You know, you're playing Baltimore with that quarterback that is a son of a gun. A son of a gun. He could hurt you with his arm and his legs. Uh, I would think that their mentality would be try to make him hurt you with his arm, you know, because uh, he could yep. destroy you with his legs. Um, he's a hell of an athlete. He's a hell of a quarterback. Um, so, listen, uh, I'm saying the Raiders are going to win. Um, we're, we're rooting for them. We got the silver and black. Just win, baby. Just win, baby. Go to my bookie. No, I'm not telling anybody where to. But uh, I'm, <laughs> Ken can do that. But um, uh, well, I'll tell you what they should do. Those guys who are injured, athletic there greens, it is. and their new look packaging, athletic greens, the green superfood. If they're not taking this, who knows? Maybe could lead to an injury. But I could tell you Good one stuff. thing: you'll be one step closer to being healthy if you jump on the athletic greens bandwagon. I know you've been taking it yeah. every day, Teddy, and you well, look great. I'm trying. I'm trying. It's hard to keep up with you, and it even makes your hair look better, <laughs> as you can see. What can? Go ahead. <laughs> as everyone knows, I love this stuff. I've been taking it every day. I got two and a half weeks left till the London Marathon. I won't miss a day of Athletic Greens. These guys spent 10 years with top nutritionists and doctors to create this formula. It's got probiotics, prebiotics, antioxidants, vitamins, minerals. It's the only thing I have to take every single day. I never miss it. Go to athleticgreens.com slash atlas to claim the special offer of five free travel packs with your first purchase. Again, it's athleticgreens.com slash atlas. Check out their new packaging. It looks awesome. I love this stuff. It comes with a special tin. You can put it in nice and easy, easily accessible. If you like the show and you want to stay healthy and you want to support the show, please give these guys a try, athleticgreens.com slash Atlas. It does the job. Teddy, let's Wait, talk. before we go, I have to give you your your moment there with the Patriots to you know to just you know to <laughs> vet a, vent a little bit, just a little bit, um, real quick. Uh, they lost by one point, uh, but I will tell you this: Miami's got a lot of talent. They've been building up those draft picks. They got a lot of talent, uh, a lot of ability. It's going to come down to how good their quarterback can play. But talking about quarterbacks. My son had said this. I told you this before. Uh, in the draft, my son loved, loved the kid that the Patriots picked as the quarterback. He wasn't the top guy coming out, out of all that talent there. Um, the guy from Clemson, of course, was the top guy. Um, he He's from um, the guy I'm talking about. What's his name from the... the, the Mac yeah, Jones yeah, from Alabama. Yeah, from Alabama, Mac Jones. My son said, Dad, that's... To me, he liked him the best coming out. He said he's gonna be he he's gonna be a solid, solid. He thinks he's gonna be a star. But um, they look good. They just had a right couple guy. bad mistakes, couple bad turnovers, couple fumbles that they shouldn't have fumbled. I mean, the end of the game, they were driving, they fumbled deep in the other team's end of the field. Man, those are hard losses yeah, on a Sunday. But afternoon. but the good news is you got to peek at the most important player out there, the quarterback, that he, yeah. he's, he looks like he's going he's gonna to be the right guy. It looks like they made the decision, they I think made so. the right decision with him. And, uh, yep. you know, and uh, hey, 
you, it it shouldn't always be easy, Ken, to be a Patriot fan. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it shouldn't <laughs> be. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna have to. You know, you're gonna have to be able to show that even with Brady gone, that you're still with them, that you're still loyal, that you still believe, and you know, you're gonna have to go through those growing pains like normal people, normal fans. Uh, have to go through. You know, you guys didn't have to go through that. You guys were spoiled. You guys, you know, how many divisions in a row, how many years in a row did you win? Like 12? I mean... <laughs> I don't know. Brady was in the league for uh, maybe 18 years and went to the Super Bowl nine times. I, mean, I think we won six. Something, yeah, like something like that. You know exactly what it is. Think about Brady. Brady, in, in 20 or 21 seasons, he went to 10 Super Bowls and won seven, including one with Tampa Bay. Think about that stat is astronomical. I mean, it, 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 it doesn't even seem believable. Yeah, it's incredible. NFL is so much parity. It's so hard to win there consistently. Yeah, it's, true. it's like It reminds me of like Lance Armstrong winning seven tours, seven years in a row, three-week race. You never got sick. You never had a bad day enough to make a difference. He just showed up, and I know that people say, "Oh, he was dope," and everyone's doing the same thing. Trust yeah. me, in that in that business, yeah, I agree with yes. you. Hey, but with with regards to combat sports, did you see uh, John Jones' brother? I think his name is Landry Jones. He's a um, defensive player for um, Arizona. Had like five sacks wow. on uh, against Tennessee. I mean, wow. God, he looked like he was like he looked like a man playing with high school kids. The quarterback must be having nightmares about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, Arizona. They, I tell you, they they surprise people. They that quarterback is something else. That Kyle Murray, I believe his name is. He came from Oklahoma. He's been in the league about three years now. Small guy, but great athlete. He could do it all. Uh, with that quarterback, you always have a chance to pull it out of the fire. Uh, Arizona just needs to. You know, last couple of years, they needed to put a few more pieces together. They put those couple more pieces together uh, with that quarterback. And as you just said, with a player like uh, like like Jones, you're you're gonna. You're, I said Landry. I meant I meant Chandler uh, yeah. Jones. Chandler yeah, Jones. That's, that's, uh, you're gonna you're gonna be able to make some noise. And uh, they they blew up uh, Tennessee yesterday, and Tennessee is supposed to be you know a favorite to win that division, and they got that hell of a running back, right? But they, oh, Henry? Uh, Derek hey, Henry. I mean, oh. the guy's a horse, but they, they, they shut man. him down. They shut him down. and Yeah, Arizona beat the crap out of them. My kids and now Teddy are teasing me that now they love Tennessee since we moved here. They're not rooting for the Patriots anymore, they told me. And uh, at one point, they actually started rooting against the Patriots. I said, that's where we're drawing the line, guys. You want to root against my team? Get out. You can't watch it with me. And they were like, okay, okay, we'll support your team. Uh, yeah. And that, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, but the, the Arizona, they've, the last few years, they've been, looks like they're building something around this quarterback who really, oh, he, he's, he's so really good. lightning in a bottle. He really is. Yes. Could have played professional baseball just as easily. Awesome athlete. Um, let's talk about the Triller event. Your man Anderson Silver, one of your best all-time, one of your top-rated all-time UFC fighters. I say he's my number one. Okay. I don't, you know, again, I don't sit okay. the fence. For me, I know you got John Jones. I know you got GSP. I, I get it, and I, I respect all that. But I'm allowed my my thoughts and my, uh, obviously, my, my opinion. And my opinion is, for me, I've looked at the films uh, Anderson Silva, the best of all time. Those other guys right there, but Anderson Silva, the best of all time, 
and uh, and look what he's done. I mean, really, you got he the fight before that he goes and he beats a former world champion. I know the guy's a pothead and whatever else and everything else. You know, Chavez. I think that's more Terry. I think that that's more than pot. Yeah, <laughs> that that is uh, like there's something going yeah, on there. It's terrible. I mean, it, you you hope not. You hope not because you hope. But he is. But to your point, he's a legit. And we're talking about Chavez, professional when we say fighter. That, Julio yeah, Cesar Chavez Jr. Yeah, we're talking. He's a legit That's professional what I mean. he fighter. Beat him. Was he was a world champion, and and what's he do? He goes and he beats him. Uh, he beats him, and then he goes and destroys Ortiz. And you know what that reminded me of? Uh, it reminded me of Duran and Davy Moore. And I will tell you why. Madison Square Garden. Davy Duran. Davy Moore was younger. He was a world champion. He had a junior middleweight title. God bless him. He's not with us anymore. And I had guys fight him in the amateurs, lose to him, and 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 beat him too in the Ohio State Fair in the quarterfinals many years ago. Uh, he was a hell of an amateur. He was like a four-time Golden Glove champion, and he won the junior middleweight world title, I believe, against a Japanese fighter over in Japan. I believe he. I believe he stopped him, uh, but. Duran was going through that that phase, that comeback phase after the no mas where he was on a losing road. He had lost fights. It wasn't the same Duran anymore. He was beyond his prime, um, you know, more mentally maybe than physically, but definitely, definitely beyond Duran, what Duran was. And he's fighting, he's coming to, all his people are there. You know, everyone is in New York is there. They love Duran. They're giving him a chance for redemption. And he fights Davy Moore, the world champion, undefeated world champion, who's strong and, you know, younger and everything. But it was one thing that you don't you don't calculate enough. That the average fan doesn't have they wouldn't they wouldn't really be prone to calculating this. And and what it is is, and I think it's the same thing that was there, even though I know people are going to say, Teddy, Ortiz is, I get it. And they're both in their 40s, and I don't know how old Ortiz, he might be even older, but I, I get it that they're past themselves and all that stuff, but there was such a difference in that ring with Ortiz and Silva in a way, forget about just in a way of the class of fighter. You could see what they were, if you understand them, to see it. Where Silver was a different class, like Duran. Silver was a different class of athlete, different class of fighter. Where he was very multidimensional, uh, very smart, uh, you know, tricky, um, fast he had great reflexes all that stuff uh, and he and he just created his his own tunes so to speak uh to his own music he made his own music and he did it beautifully now he's older the reflexes aren't the same the speed's not the same but the craft that level that level of craft that that he was it's still there when it goes in there with a guy who never had that level I'm not knocking Ortiz. He's one of those pioneer guys. He he was a great warrior, but he never had that level of ability, of craftsmanship, um, of of being that 
of that great technique and and cleverness. His strength was wrestling and grounded upon. He was a wrestler, yeah. and, and, wrestler and, 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 a one and he was tough and a one dimensional, but different. You gotta uh, listen yes. to me, Ken. The same way as Davy Moore. When Davy Moore got in there with Duran, Duran was past himself. All that stuff, but Duran had reached a mountaintop with a craft that Davy Moore never had. And I love Davy Moore, and he won a world title. But Duran was different. Duran, of with the experience, with the fighters that he had fought, but with the abilities that he had, with the experience, with the attachment of the technique with those abilities, he was a different level. He was a different species, if you will. And and Davey Moore got taken apart that night. It was almost sad. He got taken apart by Duran because, again, Duran, Duran was just, I guess you could say simply the better fighter. But more than that, he was one of those special guys that had all of it. Where Davey Moore was a guy who was strong, he was a tough guy, and he was a good puncher, but he was never the class of a Duran. And the same thing you could see it with Silva, that Ortiz, I give him all the kudos in the world, tough, this, that, I get it. But he never was, he never had the craft, the level of abilities. Of, of special abilities, dimensional abilities, that for me, the greatest UFC fighter of all time, Silver had. And you saw it. I don't care if they're 10 years past their prime, you or whatever. You still saw it. And that was the difference. The difference was Silver made a miss and caught him, created openings by making a miss. Bang! Made a miss. Bang! And then, and then stepped around him and caught him a shadow, stepping around him to his right. Um, Again, it's that level. It's that level. It's the stuff that the other guy never... The other guy was tough. The other guy was strong. Ortiz being the other guy. All of that. I, I 100%. But, but not what Silva was. And that class, it showed. It, it just... Like in horse racing. And don't anybody call up and say, Oh, you compare you to horse racing? No, no, no. I'm making an analogy. I'm just saying that there, there's certain... When when there's horse racing going on, my my son-in-law, uh, Jeff, who uh, obviously is married to my daughter Nicole, him him and my daughter and his brother Michael, just just I'm lucky. I have good people in my family that uh, are now part of our family. Uh, they they have some horses. Really, Michael has some race horses, and Jeff is involved with with some of them. And when they race, it's all about the level, the class. It's all about the level, you know, like, like in boxing, like in anything in life, the level of competition. And sometimes a certain horse is not going to win at that level because he's just not at that class. He, 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 he doesn't have that breeding. He doesn't have the, the, everything that goes with it at that level, that class. And in in this way, it was where a guy like Duran, a guy like a guy like Silva, he's just he he's got a different level of talent, a different level, not just talent, but a, as I said earlier, of of 
how he uses that talent, his instincts, his, his cleverness, his technique, his teachings, where Ortiz is strong as, as a bull and, and tough as a bull, he's, those talents get shown up with a guy that has these other talents at that higher class, that higher level. And it showed. I don't, it would have shown when they were young, and it shows when they're old. And that's the difference, is that you still saw that. I, I appreciated it. My eyes. Right away, the first thing I said, other people saying they shouldn't be in there, it's ridiculous. Or they, all right. But the first thing I saw was Silva making a miss, getting away from punches, deflecting, making a miss, looking for the spots, creating openings, just, you know, doing stuff that that those special guys do. And I wanted to, I want to ask you something about that cuz what you what you just said I thought about you when the fight first started was are you referring to as soon as the fight started Tito came out and threw this like just really poor form amateurish jabs at him and Anderson Silva almost put his hands down a little and just slipped his head moved his head and I was like oh my god if he's going to punch like this he's going to get this is going to get ugly in a hurry is that where like were you thinking that as soon as you saw him throw those jabs early, were you like, yeah, oh, no, no I, this is going to Because I felt like Tito could have had no gloves on and headgear, and you could have put the other guy in 16-ounce gloves and no headgear, and it would have ended the same listen, way. Listen, that was part of it, I just, but I, I'm talking more about when they got in close quarters. When they got up, when, okay. when Ortiz got him, got him where you would think he needed to get him, up against the corner yeah. where he could use his physical strength, where the truth was he was going into the sausage grinder. <laughs> he didn't know it, but he was, you know, because <laughs> of, of the specialness of Silva and the calm and everything. And right there, he made a mess. He, he, you know, he got away from the punches. He defended, and then he created an opening. Uh, he created an opening to land. And listen, I'm not being an advocate for this stuff. You know, whatever you're, you're talking about this. Uh, these events that take place now, these sideshow events, whatever they are, whatever, whatever you want to label them as. I'm just saying with a guy like, with a guy like Silva, the difference is he's, he's taking this very serious, very serious. And maybe with the bigger gloves, it helps him because he, he wasn't, he looked like a shot guy in the UFC world, you know, because, and again, yes, I think he's agreed. the greatest of all time. So uh, I, I'm, I think I'm allowed to say that. I'm, I think you're allowed to say the truth. And I'm giving him all the respect in the world in the way that I'm saying it. Uh, but he's got a little bit of a second breath, a little bit. I mean, I'm not saying he could go out there and fight guys that are, you know, that are young, vibrant guys. But to fight these kind of guys, he's got to, he takes it very serious. And with the bigger gloves, maybe it, that little extra protection makes a difference. And um, I, I'll tell you, you know what I like to say? People are going to go nuts, but I'm going to go all the way with it. You know me. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. I, I like to see, I like to, I know, <laughs> I like to see Silva fight Paul next. I really would. I would like to. Oh, I'd cool. like to see that. I'm putting it out there. Uh, the media outlets. I know that you know. I know the people uh, listen to this show, 
and uh, they they put the stuff out there that we say uh, when they think it makes sense that we're saying it, and and it gets people's attention. They put it out there, and I know that we're, we're very blessed and grateful that all the fighters out there that they're listening to the show and they watch the show, and uh, they come on the show, and we're very very we're, we're just grateful for that, and we we uh, respect we're, we're very. We're just appreciative of that that. But I'm telling you, I'm I'm putting it out there. That's one that I and I'm the first one to be critical when it's wrong and when it's that and but I, I give them credit that they're smart, they found a way to make money. I look at both sides and I'm fair about it. But and a lot of the boxing uh establishment, a lot of the boxing uh, you know, hardliners, lifers uh, they'd be mad at me a little bit. Like, Teddy, how do you even give credence to this stuff? How do you do that? How do you, uh, uh, I don't know. I put my deodorant on and I, you know, I brush my teeth and then I do it. I I, I don't know. I feel, I, I feel clean. Lighten up, baby. Lighten up, man. Life is, life is life short. Too short, baby. Get one run through. Well, take, take it, it easy. easy, baby. So I, <laughs> I listen to my man, Ken. Take it easy, baby. Listen. <laughs> I that's a fight I'd like to see. I as long as we're in this world, I'd like to see Silva and Paul, who of course has beaten two UFC fighters. He beat Askren and he beat Woodley. You know, let him, let him. Well, you know who that you know who they're talking next is possibly our friend Jorge Masvidal. Let me ask you this: Would you rather see him fight Jorge Masvidal or Anderson Silva? I, I, I either one. I mean, uh, Masvidal, <laughs> Masvidal, either one would be really very interesting and, and not not where you could just say it's a slam dunk, it's a layup, you know, it's it's fixed in a way where, you know, he picked a guy that you know he's going to win, you know, not fixed in a way that, that the judge has fixed it, but just in a way that uh, obviously they calculated that the other guy can't win because of whatever the shortcomings are whatever the advantages are, um, these would be two that you could see him not winning. Uh, that it would be really, yeah. Masvidal's a good striker. Um, he's, you know, he's got quickness. He's got athletic abilities. He's got good legs. He's got good instincts, uh, really good instincts. Um, he's a fighter. That uh, would be freaking interesting. I, I I believe that when it happens, I believe it when it happens. I'm not. I'm just saying. But and I would also look. Silver's older. What is he? Forty two now. Forty four. Whatever. I don't know. He's he's. You can find out. You're my man. But um, uh, I know he's older. Masvidal is still in his prime. So that would probably be the one you'd want to see if you could have your choice. Be honest. Uh, but but I wouldn't mind seeing Silva either. Yeah, either one of those would be good. I'd say if if Jake Paul can beat either one of those guys, he's going to get a lot more. Uh, How old is Silva? How old is Silva? He, yeah, he get a lot more credibility. If he beats those guys, he gets a lot of credit. He's forty six. Oh, 46. All right. Anderson Silva yeah, so, forty six. So I obviously you're thinking more chance and more legitimate if if he fights somebody that's still in their physical prime. But either way, I I just. Uh, you know, I, I I think either one of those. I've obviously, if you had your druthers, I would say I'd rather see Masvidal. But um, yeah. either one, I would think, is some some interest. 
Yeah, it was hard not to feel bad for Tito Ortiz knocked out cold on his face. Such a legend. Oh of the sport, God, but you're, you're right. This is like this. Is why they don't say we don't play boxing, right? This is you're going in there. To, it's it's just hard to see. And what was even harder to see was the main event. Vitor Belfort um, gets in with the Vander Holyfield late minute, last minute replacement for Oscar De La Hoya allegedly has COVID. I even I start to wonder if he really had COVID. Nevertheless. They get him in there with the Vander Holyfield, who was supposedly getting ready for a possible fight with Mike Tyson. So I don't think he was right off the couch. But nevertheless, he was like 50-something years old. That was hard to watch. I mean, watch it, even watching Holyfield get through the ropes at the beginning of the fight was hard for me to watch. And um, it ended exactly as we'd expect. He got knocked out. Or, you know, Vander would have said it. They stopped it too early. But I think they saved him from like a serious injury because... Belfort was Belfort, who's had a long history of doping, looked like a physical specimen. Evander Holyfield was always physically fit. They both looked great for their age, but Belfort just looked young and strong and just put it on him. Um, what would you see? I mean, I hesitate to even say what you see there because it was just one way traffic and a hard, hard one to watch. Well, first of all, Holyfield took the fight on short notice. Not, I'm not saying that, that that he shouldn't have been in the ring. Yeah. And it saddens me. But um, but anyway, he did take the fight on short notice. That's a fact. Uh, to replace the lawyer. And, you know, just 58 years 58 old. 58 years old. Just the, the names change, but the results don't. I put out a tweet with Rob that uh, night afterwards, and I, I, I felt very sad. And I put out a, a tweet that basically said this. The names change, but not the sadness and not the results. Um, whether it's Joe Lewis in there with Rocky Marciano, and that's not Joe Lewis. It's a shadow of Joe Lewis. Whether it's Muhammad Ali geez, in there with Holmes, that's not Muhammad Ali, you know. Uh, or whether it's Holyfield in there with Belfort. That's not Holyfield. That's not the guys that we we remembered in their glory days. You know, they were so great. They were so great. So great. And uh, it's sad. It's sad to see. Uh, and with, there, there's got to be a line drawn somewhere. Because I think everybody knew. I think that there was a video that had been released, if I'm not wrong, Ken, where it showed Holyfield in training that really sent out like warning signals. Like he looked... It was, uh, open workout media day a couple of days yeah, before the I fight. I heard. I didn't yeah, see it. I didn't. So I'm not going to... You know, I always... Gonna, we're going to always tell the truth, obviously. And... But... I heard about it from people that I know that their judgment means something. And uh, they said it looked like the guy, Holyfield, just, he shouldn't be in the ring. I mean, it, it, watching a workout, you could see that he was damaged. And, you know, and Belfort is a younger guy, I guess, a little younger and in better shape. And, you know, whatever. And he didn't take the punishment over the years. And Belfort is a hell of a champion, hell of a UFC. I give him his his credit and his respect, and he was ready. But, and Holyfield, again, he took it on short notice, but but 
he's not at this point in his life. Uh, it's dangerous for him to do this, and you got to draw a line somewhere because someone's going to get hurt when when you start going yep. to these places. And um, you know, uh, I mean, there's one thing when you know. I mean, even with Paul when he knocked out Robinson, Nate Robinson. I mean that that could have been that could have been scary, you know. Yep. That, that could have been scary. So some of this stuff, do I have the answer? Once you open the gate, who do you close it on? I, it's tough. <laughs> uh, really, and I get it that once you open that gate, Teddy, you know, uh, who do you say can go through, can't go through, but you got to have some way, some criterion. You got to have some way of knowing. And, and you got to have some way of Stopping the ones from getting to the gate, that that you recognize, no, no, and you got to stop the reason why they're going to the gate, and this is That's this right. is the key. They're going to the gate because it's a sport that I know you could say you want that they shouldn't be in that position. Hey, hey, we all make mistakes and we all do things. And we think we are immortal at a certain point in our lives and when you're making money you sometimes you don't think about tomorrow you're just thinking about today that's right and, and it's sad i get it i understand it uh but what i'm talking about is that my sport that i've been in almost 50 years is the only major sport that doesn't have a pension for retired fighters and it should it it should I know it's a little tricky because we don't have a national commission. I screamed from my seat at ESPN for 25 years. Get us a national commission. And and I tried. And the best I could. I even met with the late, great Senator McCain uh, down in Congress, uh, down in the Senate there, down in Washington, and talked to him about trying to do something. And he was trying to do something. We never got it obviously fully done but we we were trying to to get a national commission together so you can have the infrastructure because it's hard to have a pension when there's no infrastructure to attach it to and there is no infrastructure in boxing the other sports have that infrastructure but you still we need a pension because if you had a pension for some of these guys they wouldn't be coming back to this gate that I talk about. They wouldn't be coming to it. And Holyfield might not be coming to it. And I hate to even say that with all the money that he's made, whatever. I mean, but I, I mean, because I have so much respect and care, love for for Holyfield. And um, he's even coming for my foundation dinner. Uh, we had him on last year on the virtual show. We had him show. on a virtual Great show guy. on the dinner. I mean, just... Obviously, a, a special, special person, man. And to see him in this position, having to put himself in the ring at this point at 58 years of age um, and do it on quick notice, it was beyond sad. And in some ways, I mean, I, I, I understand responsibility, but I also understand this sport this sport has a responsibility to look out for the fighters, and it doesn't do a good enough job. 
we just went through this thing with the banned substance with Valdez, and they have a rule that he that he can't fight him, be suspended. What did they do? They just throw the rule out the window uh, because they he's with them, and they want him to fight, and they want to get their money, and they want to answer, uh, they want to please the promoter, who, who, of course, has him on the network, uh, and and he wants his champion to fight on that network date because that's how it works. You don't want to put in a replacement. So, you know, it it has to happen because the money comes first. And I have a plan, and I had a plan, for how you could get a pension. It's never going to happen. We don't have that infrastructure, but it, would, it wouldn't be that hard. Uh, there's difficulties, but it wouldn't be that hard. It could get done. You put a 2% tax on the biggest, the big fights of the year. There's always a couple big fights of the year. You go back, and when you had Mac, Mayweather and Pacquiao, and, and now listen, that was the biggest money fight of, of the history of the sport. I mean, could you imagine 2%? You'd be set. You'd be set. I mean, you'd be a good spot just to start with that one. With all the money that generated, one guy made, what, $300 million, another guy made $120 million that night? I mean, just, just the universe of that money. But they're not all going to be that big. But whether it was Triple G against, against Canelo or when they were fighting, whether, whether it's, like I said, uh, uh, whether it's going to be Joshua and Fury when that fight eventually happens, if it happens, or, or whatever. Whatever, you, you go down the list, and there's a couple big fights a year, and you go and you put a 2% tax on it, the greedy promoters wouldn't even feel it. They wouldn't even feel it. And you take that 2% and you put it in a pot. You put it in a fund for retired fighters. And then you figure out the criterion, how it's going to be dispersed, how long they have to have fought professionally, how many fights they have to have had. And according to that criterion, how much their pension will be, how large their... But they will have a pension when they step away from the ring for the rest of their life, where if they are, and if they did make mistakes that human beings made, they still earned the right not to have to get in the ring at 58. They earned the right. They gave it in their blood. They gave it in their sweat. They gave it in their flesh. They gave it. They deserve to be protected, to be looked out for in their later years. Just like the football players have a good pension. Same thing. So the problem would be, and I understand, is who would control that money? Because in boxing, it would well get robbed in about 10 minutes. And maybe, <laughs> no, no about 10 minutes. So, <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, I mean it, it could be less. It could, it could actually be less than 10 minutes. But... That's the problem. You'd have that's why I say a national commission with the proper people running it with the infrastructure. Then you have people, people of character, people, people that have the background, the expertise in that field, people that have integrity. You know, the right people uh, to obviously safeguard that fund, run that fund, disperse that fund, you know, protect that fund, and and then. Then you could then you could alleviate some of these situations where 
some of these, whether it was a Meldrick Taylor, the, the great fighter from Philadelphia, Olympic gold medalist, world champion, oh, so fast, so tough. That unbelievable fight with Chavez where he gets stopped with seconds left and, and he's winning the fight. And oh my God, he was never the same. He took such, like I always say, fighters go in that ring with themselves they leave with less of themselves and Meldrick Taylor the great Meldrick Taylor left the ring with less of himself and then years later when he shouldn't have been fighting because he was never the same he was never whole again he's fighting and he's getting damaged he'd have a pension and that would mean that he didn't have to fight he didn't have to get in a ring in Atlanta and those places for a thousand dollars two thousand dollars three oh it wouldn't have to happen. So I just, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish Senator McCain was still alive. I wish we had gotten to the finish line with what we were trying. And we were we were trying. We were really trying to put it together. But I wish there would be somebody else that would step up to the plate that cares about the sport maybe. Yeah, maybe used to watch the fights with their father or their grandfather. And they have fond memories of these great legendary fighters. And they hear this podcast and they say, I'm in a position I could maybe do something, Teddy. Yeah, I could do something. And they could make a phone call and we could maybe do something to just to, so you wouldn't have to see what you saw and what you've seen before. Like I said, You've seen it with Ali. You've seen it with Joe Lewis. Oh, what great, what great fighters. What great fighters and great men. And now you've seen it with Holyfield. I just wish. I just wish. The other thing that I would suggest, too, is to these young fighters that are coming up is look at these things as cautionary tales. And if you need to see an example of how someone who's done it correctly, look at the career and the life of Sugar Ray Leonard. I think at one point last year, he listed his house in the Pacific Palisades for $50 million. He clearly managed his money correctly. And, and, and it's never too early to start doing that. If there was ever anything that I could personally do to help any of these guys, uh, happy to give Thank free you, advice Ken. to anyone. Yes. It's not Thank my you. job. But people, you need to think about the future. If you're fighting, what happens if this is your last fight? God forbid you have an injury that you can't fight again and you've had a decent payday. What are you going to do? Because you're not going to be able to like go and fight again, hypothetically. That money needs to last you. Or you need to segue into your new career. That money needs to last. You should. That money should be working for you. Don't go out and buy a Lamborghini truck with the first million dollar paycheck you get. If you're going to buy a Lamborghini truck for $300,000, I hope to God you have $5 million in the bank at least. Because that's a lot, big percentage of your money to spend on a car. And the people who are impressed with that, they're not really your friends. They don't care. Who, who, you know, like that those kind of things don't impress the kind of people that you want to impress. Thank you for saying that, Ken. I appreciate you. And I appreciate you saying that because um, if we could just help, you know, if we could help one of these guys uh, just avoid this, uh, this, this terrible pit of quicksand because uh, that's what it is. You're not coming out of it. You know, you're not coming yep. out of it. You're, you're not. You're, you know, and um, it's just, I just hate to see these great gladiators uh, have to, 
have to be in that position. It was so sad for me. And, you know, I'm going to say something now, too. And I'll qualify it. I'll qualify it by saying that, hey, I understand what Holly Fielder was, 58 years old, and where he was, and that he shouldn't have been in the ring. I said it already. But the pride of that man, he gets dropped, he gets up, and then he goes to, you know, to try to fight. And he's getting, he's blocking those punches. He didn't know what to, yeah. the way he used to be able to make your mess, bang, come back, you know, do that. But he he was blocking those punches. They weren't landing, maybe one. But really, once at that point, he was blocking those punches. Now, I'm not in any way knocking a referee. But under normal circumstances, that fight should not have been stopped. It should not. It should, I say it again, I'm not afraid of, of the people out there that could try to attack me and, you know, the ones that, that have a right to and the other ones that are in their underwear in their mother's uh, basement. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I, it's okay. And they're knitting. They're doing a little knitting, little knitting over there. Um, that's okay. It's it's okay. I, I know what I'm saying. I take responsibility. I, he, the referee did the right thing because obviously... He knew Holyfield did not belong in the ring. But having said that, That's under right. normal, and this wasn't normal, but under semi-normal circumstances, that referee should not stop that fight. I Again, he, he, he did what ultimately had to be done. But in that case, he's blocking those punches. And if it wasn't the Holyfield there was, then... I'd really be screaming like, how the frick do you stop that? But I don't scream because of what I just said. But what I'm saying also is that it hurt because to know the pride and the dignity of Holyfield, to see him, I saw it. He's not a guy, he's not that guy that would ever go crazy and ever push the referee. And He's not that guy. But you could see it in his body language, in the way he lurched his shoulders, the way that he he just went like this, you know, like like to say, I, I'm okay. Why are you stopping it? Like he was embarrassed. He was embarrassed. It was like I, I'm. I, I don't get fights stopped like this. I'm I'm okay. You don't. What are you stopping it for? And and it it hurt me to my freaking soul. To to see that and to understand that part of the distress and the damage, not just the physical part, the personal, the emotional part, to see what I knew how he was feeling. He was feeling the same way yep. as I was. He was saying, "What are you doing? I, I'm a, I I don't you don't have to. Ah, oh, gee, it's like he went ah, oh. and and he's not gonna go crazy because he's got too much class. That's not him." And and it's just yeah. like ah, oh, oh, and you could see it. He's humiliated, uh, and his he was his, angry at the, in that interview. You could tell he was. I angry. didn't see the interview, so no, he was he was angry. He was like, "Come on, man, what is the guy doing?" Almost like, but everything you said is true. Like the ref was in a no-win situation because if he lets him get hit with one big shot and knocks him out cold, it's gonna not gonna look good. And he was, but to your point, he was defending. Uh, it was just a bad look for everyone. That was just. 
that was not fun. I enjoyed the Silva fight. I felt bad for Ortiz, but I wasn't worried about his health. 58 years old is, I don't know. Like you said, there has to be a point at which you're like, okay, that's too old. But yeah, it's hard to watch the interview and the fight. Um, Well, I'll tell you this. We're going to go from one end of the spectrum to the other because we've got the 26-year-old phenom coming up in an interview that we're going to post later in the week. Young Patty Pimblett, 17 and Patty three, the Batty. UFC Patty the Batty. Pat- Patty the Batty. You heard of the bandwagon? We're getting on the paddy wagon on this show. Shout out to Ariel Hawani. That's where I first heard about the paddy wagon. But I love that expression for Patty's fans. Get on the paddy wagon. See what I love? I love you. I love that you give credit to somebody who said something instead of doing what some people out there do. And they just take <laughs> it as though it was their own thought, their own word, their own phrase without giving credit to who actually said it and where they heard it. Anyway, I just had to say that. Good for you. <laughs> I, would, I would never Good consciously you. take someone else's Good material. I love Ariel Hawani. He's the best in the business. So shout out to Ariel Hawani. He is the best. And, he is uh, the best. Maybe we'll get, uh, Patty needs to get some t-shirts. And, and, and listen, up. we got other guys out there like Chael Sonnen and you know all those guys that do oh, shows yeah. in D.C. Yep. And they're, they're all gentlemen besides being real good at what they oh, yeah. do. Yep. So, um, guys, please, we got Patty Pimblett coming up later in the week. We're going to interview him today. Hopefully get that up on Thursday. If I'm wrong, Rob can edit this out. <laughs> but um, excited to talk to the young phenom. Made his UFC debut last week with a huge knockout win of uh, Luigi. Hey, and, uh, hey, so you have that Luigi. to look forward to. Hey. <laughs> um, you got anything else, Teddy, before we wrap? No, go Raiders. Go Raiders, baby. Go Raiders, baby. All right, let's see what happens tonight. Monday Night Football, Raiders, Ravens. Guys, thanks for being with us again. Please hit the like button, subscribe, all the, you know the drill. Thanks for being with us, and uh, look for Patty Pimblett later in the week. Take it easy.